22. Amen. You have a bad time. Let's put it there. And they're all having a great time worshiping God. Not quite a good time as we're having, but they're having a good time. So it is good to see all of you. We pray that you'll be inspired of our fellowship as we worship God and as we uh, share the word with you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about another one of God's promises. As you can see up here, it's called, we're talking about the promised Holy Spirit today. The promised Holy Spirit. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 1 in just a moment. Let's pray together and then we'll get into the text. Uh, God, Father, in heaven, thank you for your many great promises. God, especially thank you that when we're baptized in Christ, we receive the forgiveness of sins. Yes. And we also receive your Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our place in heaven. And Father, we pray that we will understand in deeper ways what the Spirit is all about. Uh, Father, that we would live by the Spirit, that we would keep in step with the Spirit, that we would allow you to fill us with your Spirit, that our lives may give glory to you. Bless our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The promised Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says some amazing things about what the Spirit of God does in our lives. Now sometimes you can read your Bible and you can glance over some things and miss the impact of what is being said. So I want us to stop for a moment and look at a couple of things in Ephesians chapter 1 and really claim these promises in our daily lives. In Ephesians 1, really beginning in verse 13, Paul says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who call, who are, who are God's possession, to the praise of His glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know Him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may have a hope to which he calls you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above our ruling authority, power of men, and every title that may, give, may be given. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I don't know if you got that, but we're going to go back again. Because there are a couple of things in here we need, to, we need to understand as disciples of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you are blessed in more ways than you can imagine. If you've been baptized and, and your sins forgiven by the blood of Christ by faith, you have received an amazing gift from God that you need to claim every day in your life. Because God is not only with you, but He's decided to live inside of you. That is unbelievable. That 
So back to Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 18 and 20. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that lives in you. His incomparably great power for us who believe. That's what we have. We have power living in us by God's Spirit that is really, I think, beyond what we can even comprehend. He says that power is like the work of His mighty strength, which He exerted in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. In other words, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in the saints. The same power that was used to resurrect Jesus now dwells within us. And see, Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Father, may not only give you the spirit of wisdom, which we, we have, we've talked about, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, but he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. He says, I need you to get this. I need you to understand this. That you've got power living in you. You've got God living in you. So don't say you can't overcome. Don't say you can't change. Don't say you can't overcome Satan and temptation. Because the power that's in you is greater than the power in the world. That's greater than the devil. God lives not only with us, but he lives in us. Are you claiming? That promise. That's amazing to me. That not only are we saved, but God has empowered us, strengthened us, and given us the ability and the capacity to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Which I don't know about for you, but for me, that's a radical change. That's coming a long way. That's becoming a whole new person. That's why the Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creation. The old is gone. The new is come. We're new creations. And a part of what makes us new creations is that all of our sins have been forgiven for all time. But we also now have God's Spirit living in us. So we're going to talk about this. What does the Spirit do? No, I don't have time to talk about all the things that the Spirit does. I mean, it, it's just such a long list. It convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16, 8. The Spirit leads us and will let it in Romans 8, 14, Galatians 5, 18. The Spirit teaches us how to pray when we don't know how to pray. Romans 8, Jude 1. The Spirit produces in us the fruit of His work and presence. And we're going to look at that scripture in just a moment because the fruit of the Spirit, we know what those things are. The Spirit is our guarantee and deposit of the future resurrection. You know, when God, when Jesus comes back, He's going to know all the people that are His because He sees the Spirit living in them. He won't have to guess. He won't have to guess. He won't have to question. If the Spirit is in you, you're in. You're gone. The Spirit seals us until the day of redemption. The Spirit dwells in us. Amen. Amen. The Spirit brings freedom. Yeah. Sets 
from the law of sin and death. The Spirit gives us joy. And that's, and here again, we see that in Galatians 5, but here in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, that when a person is filled with God's Spirit, they're supposed to be filled with joy. They should not be mean. They should not be someone who is negative and, and just ugly. Because that's not how the Spirit of God is. It's a Spirit of joy. Can I get an amen on that? The Spirit gives us access, access to the Father. We read in Ephesians 2, both Jew and Gentile are brought together in God's kingdom through the Spirit. The Spirit sets us free from the law of sin and death. Amen. The Spirit transforms us. Help to transform us into the image of Christ. That's why you have it. It's because God wants you, yes, you, jars of clay, sinners like you and me, to give glory to Him by seeing us change, see us be transformed, see our character change, see our heart change, see the way that we live change, so we can give glory to God. It's not that we're so great, but when God Transforms us. Amen. And it's amazing to see what God has done. I mean, some of you, if your friend back in high school saw you now, I mean, I'm amazed at some of the changes some of you have made since you got baptized. But if some of your friends back in high school saw you now, they would go, What happened to you? What you done? Who did this to you? Praise God. That's the spirit of God that's brought about change in your life. Now, sometimes we, we, we need to give God more praise and credit for the changes He's brought about in our lives because He's changed us miraculously somehow. But that's what the Spirit of God does. Now, I want us to look at this scripture for a minute Romans 8, 13 and 14. Romans 8, 13 and 14 says, For if you live according to the sinful nature, what's going to happen? You'll do what? So we don't want that to but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you are what? You are led. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is an amazing scripture. I wish we had time to go through all of Romans 8, but look at this. He says, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. You see, the Spirit helps us put to death our sinful nature. The Spirit aids us in our transformation. The Spirit helps us to say no to sin and yes to God. The Spirit in our moment, in our trial, in the times that we're tempted, the Spirit is there trying to help us to rise above the temptation and to be like Jesus. We Spirit of God in our life. Now, he says here, he, that, that's the promise, and we declare it, but you've got to let the Spirit lead you. You've got to let it lead you. And it wants to do that. Now, it's, it's not that we won't have a fall. But you know what? The longer you are a Christian, you should be falling less and less, not more and more. That's not what I'm saying? That we should be transforming more and more into the image of Christ and not going the other way. Alright? So the Spirit helps to conquer our sinful nature. Now, do you ever wonder why you even have a sinful nature? 
Because we're all here, right? Everybody has a sinful nature. We're talking about it now in a moment. And sometimes I wish I didn't have a sinful nature. I mean, not sometimes, all the time. I wish I didn't have a sinful nature. And, and see, when you get baptized in Christ, your sins get forgiven, but you still have a sinful nature. And so when you go into the water of the baptism and you come up, yeah, your sins are washed away, but that sinful nature is still there. You still got to work on it. You still got to crucify. You still got to put it to death. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in to help us do that. And, and here's what you got to understand. God is not asking us or looking for us to be perfect. Well, He doesn't want us to be changing. And see, God is glorified not so much when we never fall, we never make mistakes or whatever. God is glorified when sinful people like you and me decide to live by the Spirit, to do what's right, when it's not even who we would be without Christ. The transformation. The, 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 the decision to live a new life, really the greatest miracle that God has ever performed is a transformed life. It's not walking on water. It's not just raising the physical dead. It's raising the spiritually dead to be like Christ. That's the miracle. When people who would decide to live in sin now say, no! I'm going to live our spirit God. We glorify God by conquering our sinful nature. Let me tell you something. That's not easy to do. And you cannot do it all by yourself. You need help to do this. By the power of the Spirit, the weak become strong. The proud become humble. The critical become constructive. The negative become positive. The faithless become faithful. The fearful become courageous. The enslaved become free, and the foolish become wise, and the sinners become saints by the Spirit of God. It's all about changing. It's all about giving glory to God. That's what the Spirit is all about. That's what the Spirit wants to do in our lives. So here's the question. What is your sinful nature? What is your sinful nature? You need to know what your sinful nature is. So you can conquer it. Because if you don't know what it is, it will conquer you. What are your thorns in the flesh? Do you struggle with the critical nature? Some people ask their sinful nature just to be critical. Even when everybody else is positive, they find something to be negative And we've got to crucify that. Some of us, we, 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 just, we just were born that way. Some people, their, 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 their nature, their sinful nature, is a lustful nature. You know, to covet, to feast our eyes, and to look at things in ways that God does not want us to. And we have to deal with that. Some people, it's the most bad, rebellious nature. It's just who we are. If, if, if somebody says that, you know what I'm going to say? Right? No. Why? This is our rebellious nature. It's not the nature of Jesus, and we have to work on it. Some people have a defensive nature. I have to work on this. Then when we get confronted, the first thing we think is, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you? Who talk to me? What about me? What about your life? 
And as she was talking, her sinful nature was saying, you need to say this to this woman, and you need to say this to this woman, and you need to say this. But the Spirit said, you need to be humble, you need to shut up, and you need to be in. So I was listening to the Spirit, and then the sinful nature was talking to me too.
and then they shout for people like Chewie Bacca. I remember one preacher told his brother, he said, look, you can chew the bacca. Matter of fact, you, but you got to understand, you can chew in heaven, but you got to go to hell instead. <laughs>
and leads life after the fall, which I'm sure never happens in any marriages in the body, but just in case we will try it. What should you do, girl? Pray in spirit. Pray in spirit. Right then. We need that. When you're on your job and things are getting crazy, pray in spirit. You know, when you're driving out there and people are going crazy and have done good, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That's what the Bible says. And the Spirit will help you overcome that situation. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. The Spirit that lives in you is not a spirit of timidity, but it's a spirit of power, of love, of self-discipline. And the Spirit loves Should I not? Should I share my God? That's the Spirit saying, Will you say something, please? I mean, I want to get out. Will you say something? And you're like, I don't know. They don't look over. I don't know. I'm afraid. I don't know. Spirit, I know you don't know, but try, will you? And sometimes we put out the Spirit's fire. He says, Do not grieve the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Don't hold it back. You know, if you're living in secret sin, you're grieving the Spirit. You know, we've got some scariest passages in the Bible. Because when you look at King Saul's life, the Bible says the Lord left him. You look at Samson's life, the Spirit of the Lord left him because of how he was living. And it'll leave us if we don't keep in step. As it says in Galatians 5 25, keep in step. With the Spirit. See, the Spirit has a rhythm. Yes. The places it wants to go, the things it wants to do with the Bronx region, yes. the things the Spirit wants to accomplish. Are you keeping the step with the Spirit? Get in step with the church. We're going back to our mission groups, the small groups. Get in step with the Spirit. Don't be outside the group. Because you can hear me here. You're not in step. Don't be rebellious. I don't know what we're doing this. I was like, I'm going to be on Friday. Now you're going to be going to be going to be doing this. Get in step with the Spirit. Shut up and get in step with the Spirit. Come on, man, brother. What you doing? Get in step with your family group leader or mission group leader. Get in step. Man, if the meeting's on 7.30, then show up. What time? Show up at 
and help with anything. Am I right, church? I mean, you're just fighting God. Or you don't win that battle? No. No. Some of us say, well, I just don't want nobody telling me what to do. When you became a Christian, you said, I want somebody to tell me what to do. Starting with Jesus. Because I already tried to do it my way, and now I realize you can't do it that way, so I'm going to do it God's way. Keep in step with the Spirit. You know, we, as we come to a close here, I just want you to understand something. This ministry has the potential to do amazing things. Amazing things. If we will all surrender to God's Spirit and work together, allowing the Spirit to guide us and lead us, we could shape this, this, this body. We could do it. You know the struggle that so I'm going to meet with a small group of leaders in just a minute. The struggle that so many of them have is like, Sam, I can't get people to do what they said they would do when they got baptized. Because we're grown folk. Right. That's right. And we supposedly, years ago or whenever, surrendered to God's Spirit. It lives in you. And so, crucified the same way. Here is Galatians 5. It becomes the book. Galatians 5 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with his passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Live by the Spirit. And you look at this list, and the question becomes Are you loving? Are you joyful? Are you at peace? Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you full of goodness? Are you faithful? Are you gentle? Are you living a life of something? That's living by the Spirit. That's what God wants in our lives. That's the promise we've been given. That by the Spirit, we can put to death the misdeeds of the body. This week, go and claim that promise for yourself. And if we get started on this new chapter, this next couple of months, keep in step with the Spirit. Let God use you to give glory to His name as He works through you by His Spirit to influence and affect others that they can know Jesus as well. God bless you. Live by the Spirit. By the power of the Spirit, put to death in this Jesus of the Bible. God bless you.